Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. All right, so we are actually, we started a new series last week. Who is here? It was awesome. A good friend of mine came in and spoke last week. Um, he, his name is Bill, okay? His last name is Johnson. He was here on the big screen. We watched a video last week <laughs> of Bill Johnson speaking, and it was radical. Who got blessed by that? It was awesome. I love at the end, we just went right into it. It just ended, and we just started praying and interceding, and, it, and then God totally just broke out and did awesome stuff. And so he challenged us to have a supernatural courage, and basically that, that our courage inspires other believers to, to come out and to, to share the gospel. This week, we're doing the next session two of our series. Basically, the series is about awakening, awakening your campus, awakening your school, awakening your family, whatever it is that there's, there's awakening happening, but it's not meant for me to do. It's not even meant for just God by himself to do. He wants to use you through you with you bring an awakening to wherever, you are, wherever you're at. And so that's what we're going after. How do we come people who bring revival, bring an awakening to God wherever we go? So you guys excited? Yeah? Come on. All right. So session two here, right? This one is called Courageous Dreamers. Courageous Dreamers. Yeah. Look at that. He's dreaming courageously over there. All right, so we talked about last week, for those who remember, uh, Bill Johnson, he talked about this story in 1 Samuel 14. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 14. We're going to recap that story. It was so good. We just need to go over it twice, make sure that you got everything in it, all right? So 1 Samuel 14. Okay, for, for those who don't know, who weren't here last week or already forgot from last week, that's okay. Okay, basically, this is a story where there's a man named Jonathan, and Jonathan is the prince of Israel, okay? So he is, he is the son of the king, all right? And him and Israel, they're getting attacked, and there's this part where they're here, and the enemy is over there, and they're surrounded, and Israel's like, we probably going to die. Like, this is looking real bad. And there's this cliff, and the enemy is up there on the cliffs looking down on them, all right? This is the context of our story. Verse 1, it says, one day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for those who don't know, an armor bearer was just the guy who carried the armor, who stood next to the king or whoever the fighter was and be like, all right, here's your armor. He's kind of like, he just carried around the supplies and said, here you go and put it on him, okay? So him and his armor bearer, okay, say, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father, who was the king, what he was doing because his father would have been like, you crazy boy, you ain't doing that. So he didn't tell his dad, all right? Okay, verse six, jumping down. He said, let's go across to the outposts of those pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Say only a few. Come on. Say I'm the few. God can win the war with a few. Okay. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. 
That's just beautiful. That's crazy. Right? I am with you, heart and soul. Like, I am in this. I am with you. Jonathan has this crazy idea where he says, yeah, our armory is probably going to lose. And he's walking, and he's looking at the enemy up on the cliffs. And he says to his armor bearer with him, he says, hey, I have a crazy idea. What if the two of us could climb up there and defeat their army? That's that's insane. This is not like a, a logical military strategy, right? If any soldier did this in war, they'd get in trouble. They'd be like, dude, you're stupid, and anyone who follows you is going to die, <laughs> right? This is so stupid. You, The two of you want to take on an enemy. But this is what it says, verse 8. All right then, Jonathan told him, we will cross over and we will let them see us. I don't even want to give them the element of surprise, the one thing I could give to them, let's just throw that out the window as well. Let's go over and let's just stand there until they see us, okay? <laughs> this is his divine strategy. He says, we will cross over, let them see us. If they say, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and we won't go up to them. So if they're like, hey, stay there, we're going to come kill you. He's like, it's not going to work, all right? <laughs> so but he says, but if they say, come up and fight, then we will go up. And that will be the sign that the Lord, wow. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. I don't know about you, but I would need a much more miraculous sign than that. I'm like, Lord, I need three confirmations of this and then this and then this. And they're all crazy and supernatural. And if it doesn't happen exact, it's not you, Lord. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go try to pick a fight. And if they say, come fight me, it's God. <laughs> right? Like, this is, what, this is his strategy, right? And he says this, okay? So if they say, come up, then we'll just go up there and we'll kill them all. Okay, that's our, that's our plan. Okay, verse 14, it says, they killed some 20 men in all. Or, oh, wait, I skipped some parts, sorry. So that was the punchline. That was sorry, my bad. Okay, so basically what they did is they go over there. I skipped, I'm sorry, apologize. They go over there. You heard it last week, come on. You know the story, right? So basically they go over there. I spoiled it for you, right? Okay, they go over there and they walk out. And basically, they're standing there, and the men say, hey, <laughs> to the Israelites, come up here and come fight us, right? And then, and then they say, okay, let's go fight them. So they run over. They literally, says with their hands and feet, they climb up the cliff. So it's kind of like, all right, we're coming. And then they have to climb for a while. We're still coming. We're going to kill you. We're coming, <laughs> right? Climbing up this trip, this cliff. It says this, verse 14, they killed some 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered over about half of an acre. That's crazy. Suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck and everybody was terrified. Basically, the two men, they end up going there. They end up going to fight. This whole army standing there, and the two men are like, ah, and they go and start fighting. They kill like 20 people. All of a sudden, panic starts to break out, and then an earthquake hits at that same moment. The Philistines get so scared. They run, they retreat, and Israel takes it and wins the battle because these two men, because these two men stepped after a crazy idea. I love it that the earth trembled when this dream of man and this dream of God, when they came together, even the earth shook underneath it. Like that is powerful when your dreams and God's dreams meet together. 
So the point one is this, that God is seeking courageous dreamers. God is seeking courageous dreamers. God wants us in life and basically in your school or at work or your family, wherever you're at, he is asking for you to be a courageous dreamer. It is vulnerable to dream big. It takes courage to dream big. There is a courageous moment where, where he's just like, hey, you know it would be wild if we take the whole army. Like that, there's a courage behind a dream. Right. And basically, man, we when we were young, we were so good at dreaming. Children, naturally, they're dreamers. And it seems like the younger you are, the easier it is to dream. If you ask a child what they want to be when they grow up, they're like the president or an astronaut or like some crazy thing. Right. Like I've never heard a kid be like, I just want to make I want to be a middle class, middle wage citizen. You know, I've never, I've never heard that before. Every kid is like, I want to be this all-star. Like, they have these crazy dreams. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid because my dad and my grandpa worked in the aerospace industry. So I was like, I want, I want to be an astronaut. And if I heard a kid say that, what do we do? We go down to them. And we're like, oh, that's so great, little Johnny, you know. And we look at him. And we're like, if you work hard enough, you can do anything, right? We say that to them or something like that. And yet, we're just straight up lying, <laughs> right? Like, because we don't believe it ourselves. We tell them, you can do anything your heart desires if you work hard enough, right? But in our minds, we're like, I could never do that, right? Because I know the statistics. I know the facts. I've come to reality. I know that there's like 320-something million people in America and maybe like 10 become astronauts. So it's like you – it's not even you have a one in a million shot. It's like you have like a one in 32 million chance. <laughs> Sorry, little Johnny. You're probably not going to make that one. Like that's like less than 1% of a chance. Like you don't, you don't do that. There's something in us that says it is wrong to give the statistics to a kid who's dreaming, right? Like we, we, we just say, oh, oh, you could do this, right? Because something happened along the way where we either met people whose dreams didn't come true or we sunk in to our quote-unquote reality. And we said, I have to give up this courageous dream to do something amazing because statistically, I don't know, it's probably never going to happen. And then other people say to you, hey, you need to like come back to earth, man. Get a job. Don't worry about your dream. Like, right? And, it, and then we slowly just become like it's easier to bring our dream down than it is to live in the tension of like wanting to pursue this dream. This is why many of us don't really know how to dream big anymore. Uh, our, our dreams kind of end at like, well, I just want to get a good job that'll provide for my, my family one day. Or my dream ends, at, I just want to get married or I just want to have kids, maybe travel a little bit, have a good life. And like, that's like so... That's like so many people's like dream. And that's so sad that they've lowered their dreams to just something that maybe I can attain, right? When we were kids, we, we had something God-given inside of us 
to dream big. You know, God is not intimidated by this quote, it's never been done before. It's not like, it's not like God's like, I have an idea, and the angels are like, oh, God, that's never been done before. I don't know if you realize this, God, but you've never done that. I don't know if it, no, like God doesn't live in your statistics or in your reality. He doesn't live there. And we're meant to be children of God. And we're meant to have the same attributes of our father, which means you are not meant to live in this quote unquote statistics of reality, right? Like you're not meant to live and be defined and encapsulated and pushed down into this. Well, this is what America says I need to be. Your heavenly father, he's not worried by that it's never been done before. He actually loves that. He doesn't really like to do the same thing twice. <laughs> he's always doing new things, always creating new ways of breaking through. See, do you have a God dream? Not just that I want this job, I want a certain amount of money, you know, all this stuff. And I'm not talking about like, not, I'm not talking about like a, a selfish big dream. Like I want to be famous and rich or I want to be, I want the world to know me. Like I'm not talking about that because that's still just about you and what you can do and attain. I'm talking about what is your God dream? Like can God use me to change this world? Can God use me to do something that's never been done before and then point the glory to him? Like, do you have a, a God dream? And, and really, it's, it, it, the more illogical sometimes, like, the better. <laughs> In the sense that, like, if, 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 it's, if you can attain it on yourself, I wonder if it's God. Because then he doesn't need to be a part of it. Right? And, and so... Basically, you need to have this dream that either God shows up or it fails. Either God steps in and saves us, like Jonathan the armor bearer, or we die. Like, I don't have a plan B. I'm going to go up there, and if God doesn't show up, I'm going to try to climb back down the cliff as quick as possible before they can kill us. <laughs> like, no, he literally puts himself on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> right? It says, all right, either God shows up and my dream comes true or we don't make it. Right? This is the radicalness that God is going for, that God is desiring. He's, it, this takes courage to dream like this. God is looking for courageous dreamers. You have to find out. I believe it is a God-given uh, like duty for you to find out what is this God dream inside of you. And how do you start to pursue it? So much more, man, for your job. What's your God dream? I'm just going to put my time here. I'm going to be here for a year. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to save up, and then I'm going to move on. That's not a God dream. That's like such a human dream, right? For school, I'm just going to get good grades. I'm going to do my time. I'm going to get the degree, and then I'll move on. That is not a God dream. What would it look like for God to show up at your job? What would it look like for God to show up at your school? What would it look like for him to show up at your family? Are you dreaming big for where you're at in life? Or have you just lowered it to like the practical reality of what safety is? <laughs> right? It's safer just to be like, well, I'm just going to be here for a year and I'm just going to get it on my resume and then I'm going to move on. It's too hard 
to go and be like, what if God could bring a revival here and change everything, right? That takes a courage. God's looking for courageous dreamers. So how do you know? How do you know what your God dream is? Because it's going to be different for every one of us. I don't want you or expect you to have my God dream. It needs to be for you and you alone. So the question is, how do you know? Well, the question I would say back to you is, what grips your heart? What grabs your heart? What, what is it that breaks your heart, burns inside of you? Pay attention to what grips you. It's pointing you towards your destiny. Pay attention. What do you, where do your tears come from? Pay attention to your tears. They'll point you towards your calling. You know, where you break and you break and you weep over something, chances are there's a God dream inside of there for something right? And so there are a few things. I'm going to share mine as an example for you um, just to hopefully help get you thinking about it. There are very few things that just grip me to the core and I'll just start crying, right? I'm not much of like a public crier. So when you see me go down, it's like what David said, like, oh, dang, God's doing something, right? Because I don't, it doesn't happen very often, right? And so, so basically, the one thing that grips my heart is just stories about revival. I don't know what it, like what it is. I, I hear these stories like, like Flory Evans. She's a 13-year-old girl in the 1900s who lived in Wales. And she gets up on a, on a stage in front of her church, and she's scared, and she's trembling, and she just says, I love God with my whole heart. That's all she says. And conviction fills the room of these people who don't love God like that. And they get so convicted, they repent, give their life back to the Lord. They leave church and they start preaching the gospel in Wales. And within six months, 100,000 people were saved. The whole community changed. It said that you couldn't walk the street without hearing worship coming out from the coal miners. Down underground, worship would be coming out. That the bar shut down because no one would go anymore. Like that, that there was nothing to do. That the police had no crimes and all they could do was escort old ladies at night to and from the prayer meetings. Like that's all they could, that's all they, that's all they had were hired to do. It says that this is on historical record that the judges were all given white gloves because there were no cases to try anymore. And I would hear this story and I would just start to weep and say, could that happen in San Marcos? Could that happen in my city? I'd hear stories like Jonathan Edwards. He, he was a man who basically, he got asked to preach. He pulls out a scroll from his backpack. He had a sermon in his backpack. Always have a sermon ready in your backpack. You never know when you need it, okay? And he pulled it out, and they, they said, hey, you're up to preach. And he was like, okay. And he gets up, and he literally is so scared, he just reads it word for word. They say it was monotone and one of the worst deliveries they've ever heard. And he just reads this word, and people get gripped with God. They start coming forward giving their lives to the Lord, thousands get saved, and it sparks the great awakening in America. And I hear this story, and I just start saying, God, could you use a man like me to do that? I hear stories of George, George Whitfield, in the, once again in the 1700s. He would stand up, and he was one of the first uh, open-air preachers. There was no really such thing. People weren't doing it. And he would stand on a curb, and he would just stand there and preach the gospel. And it says that 40,000 people gathered in a field to hear him. And Benjamin Franklin was in the back of it, and he writes in his journal. And he says, this has to be supernatural. There must be 40,000 people here and I can still hear him, and I'm in the back. And Benjamin Franklin says, I don't understand how I can hear him right now. 
And this man preaches the gospel and tens of thousands in a moment get saved. And I weep and say, God, would you use one of my messages to bring 10,000 people into the kingdom at once? Like, like, and I just weep over this stuff. And I didn't understand why for long, for a long time. I didn't understand whenever I heard of a revivalist story, I would just tear up. And then I realized it's because that's my God dream. The only other time I get gripped like that is when I hear stories about orphans and orphanages. I saw Heidi Baker get up and share a story about her kids, and I just wept, and all I could pray was, God, what about, the, what about your children? What about your children, God? And I just broke. Whenever I go to an orphanage, or I just want to stay. I don't want to leave. <laughs> I don't know. The two go together. I don't know how I'm going to do both of them. I don't know, right? It's a God dream. I literally could not make it happen. And that's my plan A. Plan B is I just, I don't make it for that. Like there's no like, well, if it doesn't work, then maybe I'll get, I'll do this instead. Like that's it. I just said, let's climb the cliff. Let's go for it. <laughs> and if I don't make it, then all right. Right? What is that kind of a dream for you? You got to figure out what is your courageous God dream. God is calling you to dream. He's calling you to step out. He's saying, what is your dream this year? Have you just gone back to the realm of safety statistics? Or are you willing to dream this year? There will not be an awakening unless God grips a few people with a courageous dream. And the second thing, you guys doing okay? The second, the second thing, God simultaneously, he raises up courageous dreamers, right? And for you, it could look different. Your dream might be, I, I want to change the music industry. I, I, wanna, I, want, I don't want to be famous for me. I want everyone to look at me and say, oh my goodness, like Christian singer, like look how, she, look how he or she is changing the industry a light in one of the darkest places. What if your dream is Hollywood? And you say, I'm going to prove that you can have a director or an actor who changes the industry. You know, what if, what if, yeah, turn it to Hollywood, <laughs> right? Like, like what if your dream is sports, you know, and you say, I I'm going to, you know, I'm going to point everyone to Jesus. I love it. Tim Tebow doesn't even play football anymore. Doesn't even play anymore. And people tied his name to praying on a field. Yeah. If you get down on your knee and pray on a field, they're like, oh, he's T-bowing, <laughs> right? He's doing the thing, right? How did a man's name get connected with praying in front of everybody? Right? That's incredible. That impacted an industry. And he's not even in the industry anymore. He's playing a different sport now, <laughs> right? Minor league baseball, and yet he changed the football industry where Christians started coming out because his courage ignited theirs. What if your dream is to change and see the ending of abortion in America? What if your dream is to see the ending of human trafficking? What, what if your dream, right, is to see that every, there's no more orphans. Every kid has a home. Like, what is, what is your God impossible dream? What is, what is it to see the science community bow to the name of Jesus? 
Is it to see the educational system bring prayer back into schools, right? Like, what, what, what is your God dream? You got to get this. You got to get it, or you'll just live in like my nine to five job, and maybe God will do something in my life one day. You got to get it now. What is it? Start asking. If you don't have it tonight, just start asking like I did. It took me a while, and then I realized all oh, my tears have something in common. <laughs> they all point towards revival, <laughs> right? Like, okay? And so maybe that's what I'm called to. So, God is raising up courageous dreamers. He's also simultaneously, he's raising up courageous encouragers. You see, the armor bearer, one of my favorite, uh, one of my greatest mentors, his name is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, and he, he, you can see him in Star Wars Episode 4. He says, uh, <laughs> he says this, this famous line where he says, who is, more, who is the fool, the fool or the one who follows him? <laughs> right? And he says, so who is crazier, Jonathan or the armor bearer who's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Great idea. Let's do it. Right? Like, like what? Like, that's one thing for Jonathan to be like, let's take the army. And it was another one for the armor bearer to be like, yeah, let's do it. I'm with you. Heart and soul. I'm in. Right? That's crazy. Right? That this man, he wasn't like, um, excuse me, uh, we going to die? I don't know if that's wise. Come back to wisdom. Come back to wisdom. The wisest place you can be is right in the middle of God's plan for you, right? But we say, no, come back to my human-made wisdom. We say, come back to wisdom. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm with you. Let's do it. See, you need courageous encouragers. It actually takes courage to bring encouragement into someone's life. Literally, encourage means to put courage into somebody discourage, dis means a part, away, pull away. Discourage means that I am pulling courage out of you and I'm taking it away from you. Encur- yeah, right? <laughs> Encourage, putting courage in. That's what it means. And so it takes courage. The armor bearer had to have courage to be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> right? He had to have courage. And I, I really believe that we need to become courageous encouragers. You know, we, we were created, we need each other. This sounds blasphemous, but hold out, let me finish, okay? You plus God is not enough. If it was, Eve would have never been created. Because Adam and God were together, and God said, this is not good. And how could God look at me and Adam and say, it's not good yet? That means you alone with God, God says, it's not good. It needs to be you and God and have a community in your life, a healthy community in your life that all pursues God together. This is why he's obsessed with twos. Where two or more are gathered, I'm with you. Go out in twos and evangelize. He always says, twos, twos, go together, be together, be together. Yes, and get, get my heart. Absolutely, it is God first. All I do, literally, the cornerstone is God, my relationship with him. But you alone for your whole life, people are like, I just need God, me and him. And God said that's not true. You need people. You need people in your life. Right? And so, God, that's how he designed it. You need, we need 
each other. And everyone says, oh, man, I just need this crazy encourager. I just need encouragement. I need encouragement. I need encouragement, right? But are you the type of encourager that you would need in your life? Like, like, if you were your own encourager, would you be a voice of discouragement or encouragement? Would you, would you avoid yourself and be like, dude, you're so negative all the time, right? Like, oh, like, are you the encourager? Are you putting courage inside of somebody else? Right? A lot of people are like, I'm the dreamer. I need my armor bearer. <laughs> right? And there's other of you that are like, I'm an armor bearer. I'm a great encourager, but I don't want to dream, you know? You need both in. You need to be both, right? God, what I love about this is Jonathan, he was meant to be king. And yet he laid it down for David. David had a God dream given to him of I'm going to be king. And they were so close. David even confided into Jonathan, I know you're prince and you're going to be king, but I was anointed king. This is really awkward. <laughs> like, can only be one king. And Jonathan could have been jealous. It could have been like, kill him. <laughs> right? Like, like he's gonna take my title, right? Kill him, right? And and instead, and instead, he actually protects David, fights for David, and says, I believe in your dream, I will lay down my own to be king to see your God dream fulfilled. I believe Jonathan was a trusted encourager, a courageous encourager. And so God gave him a courageous encourager of the armor bearer. Jonathan was one first, and then he got one. If you want more encouragement in your life, you want people to surround you in your dreams, go lay down yours and serve someone else's. Go encourage someone else's. Go pour into their crazy dream. You be the one that says, I'm with you, heart and soul, man. Let's go. Don't worry about my dream. Like, it'll come. God will do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going after yours, right? And then watch how God says, I can trust them with an encourager. They've been a trusted armor bearer. Now I know I can trust them with an armor bearer. And he's looking for who these people are. He, you have to be a courageous dreamer and a courageous encourager together. This is how you see awakening wherever you go. You got, you got to have the two of these together. You attract what you are. If you look around and all your friends are just negative, chances are you're just really probably a negative person. For some reason, you chose all of them. <laughs> we attract what we are. You know? Right? And I love it. I look at it in my house, and I can't walk down the hallway without telling me, like, I love you. You're awesome. Right? And I'm like, this is great. I love, I love who I live with. Right? Because I know it's in me, and we've created a culture in our home where we love each other, and we encourage each other. We're always talking about how studly the other person is, you know? <laughs> right? Right? And so you really attract what you are. If you want radical armor bearers in your life, you got to become a radical armor bearer. People have looked at my life, and they say, Taylor, you can pursue your dreams because you have this awesome team around you. And I do. Like, the crux team is incredible. I've got amazing friends who, like, Dom and Emily specifically for years— Years of my life have said, I'm with you. Go for it. I'm there, heart and soul. I know you don't believe in yourself, but I do. I've had times where David and Joel also have specifically, like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And they put courage inside of me. 
They've literally been like, oh, that's crap, man. You're awesome. You're the best. You're great. Stop it. You're, you're incredible. Like, you're going to make it. You're right. And they're putting courage inside of me, right? And I'm surrounded by an amazing team, but I don't think it's just because I lucked out or God has favor on my life. I think it's because for years, I've done that for Pastor Daniel. I've laid down. I served as a volunteer basically full-time for three-plus years. And I worked full-time, and I was going to school. And my family said, you're insane. You're doing 20 to 40 hours a week as a volunteer, and your job's suffering. And I said, no, 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 you don't get it. I'm working so that I can do the volunteer work. <laughs> like, it's flipped. It's the opposite, right? And they said, don't climb that mountain. That's insane. Go to school, man. Get a real job. And now I'm a pastor, right? So God, like God listened and he did it, right? And he did it. He did it. And so for years I did that for Pastor Daniel and now God has finally trusted me with a team of my own. Pastor Daniel has done it for his spiritual dad, Papa Che. Papa Che, he was like, I have a dream for 10,000 churches to be planted. We're going to start in San Diego. Pastor Daniel said, my church, sign me up. We're with you. We will do all the legwork. You show up and preach. We're there. I'm with you, heart and soul. He did that for his spiritual father. Papa Jay did that for Lou Engle. And for years, he said, Lou, your dream is fill stadiums. I'll run it. I'll leave my stuff, and I'll pursue your dream. So do you see how over and over, God raises up these radical, courageous dreamers out of the radical, courageous encouragers? You know? So start encouraging, and then watch how it comes to you. I believe that we are going to see God do ridiculous things in our life, amazing things, and awakening happen, but he, you have to pursue being a courageous dreamer and a courageous encourager. Go ahead, uh, stand up with me. We're going to end here, and then we're going to transition. <laughs> thank you. I don't know who said that. Thank you. Thank you. See that? She just put courage inside of me, right? So... Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would make us courageous dreamers. God, we ask that you would make us a, a, a people who say, wow, I don't live based on the statistics, but based on the dream God has given me. Hey, guys, you can just pause for a second back there. Pray with us. Pray with us. All right. So thank you, God. God, we ask that this year you would do it inside of our hearts. God, we ask that this year, you would change us. Father, I ask that we would become radical, courageous encouragers, that we would be the number one voice of encouragement in people's lives. If I were to ask someone, if I were to ask you right now, who's the most encouraging person in your life? Who's the top three? You can think of people. Is your name on somebody else's list? Lord, we ask that we would be the most radical, courageous encouragers that we would take the risk to encourage people. It's vulnerable to encourage people sometimes. Would we take the vulnerable risk to place courage into somebody? Would we take the risk to pursue our dream? God, I ask that you'd speak to us. You'd give us God dreams from heaven. I ask that we will not be satisfied until we have a dream that is impossible for us to fulfill in our lifetime. That the only answer is either God does it and that's it. There's no plan B. I don't want my plan B to be, well, I'll retire and then I'll just live. Oh God, until the day that I die, would I pursue a radical dream 
courageous dream. And would we, with the crux, with this family, be known as radical encouragers and radical dreamers, God. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God. Do it in our hearts so that we can help do it into other people's hearts. We love you, God. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.